Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Well, you can call us the Sicky and Steph show today because Sicky being Sean, uh, the flu has ravaged the Palmer apartment or the Palmer abode. Uh, influenza one and influenza two. Go big or go home, they say. And although I don't sound sick, I certainly am. Uh, in an hour and a half, I'll probably be asleep on the couch, as I have been all day. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. The pre-month, the pre-Blizzard show, the pre—I don't know—ACC tournament show, the pre-NCAA selections show. Basically, the only post thing is Maryland season. Wah wah. What do you want me to say? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have much to say. I thought that that was actually funny, but I guess my humor is along with my health out the window. Yeah, well, I wish you good luck tonight against Wake. And pretty much I think you got to beat Carolina. Yep, I would I agree. Mean, you know, you're, you know, you you know your 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 schedule is okay. Your your strength your schedule is solid. Your wins are okay. But yeah. you know you're you're eh. <laughs> There's yeah, no other way to put it. Tonight, look, a win tonight will be 20 wins. I expect them to come out and beat the living crap out of Wake Forest tonight. I really do. I think that tonight's game is is perfectly set for them to win. They're playing basically a home game, being in New York, and Wake is eh. I mean, they really are. Eh. We we beat we. They're not a very good team. They don't have a great um, backcourt. They don't have a great three point shooting team. Syracuse can win this game and win this game pretty handily, even with only six players or seven players as they've played all year. And that's strange coming from me, who says that they can win a game handily since they haven't won a game handily since November. But I think they'll win tonight. Winning tomorrow night's a whole different story against North Carolina. And, but you know what? They only lost by four in the Carrier Dome. And one play really turned the game. Uh, They could win that game. Do I think they will? No. And thus goes the end of the season. Or a whole lot of help. But we've seen some strange things from the tournament in recent years. Last year, I believe Syracuse deserved to be in. The year before, I believe they deserved to be out. And they went to the Final Four. So, I mean, we've seen some strange things. So, but let me ask you this. Why the fascination this year with the Big 12? So, I look at Joe Lenardi's, and look, Joe Lenardi is not the god of all gods. He's been wrong before. But most of the time, he's kind of on point. Most of the time. He's better than 60%, I believe, each of the last 10 years. I believe he's better than actually 80%. What is with 8 out of 10 teams going from the Big Ten? I I just don't get the fascination with that conference this year 
including you mean the big, a Texas team. You mean the Big 12. Not the Big, Sorry, 10, the big, the big 12. 12. Right, the Big 12. Excuse me, the Big 12. Especially with a Texas team that has lost, what, six of their last seven? And they have, what, what's the other? Oklahoma winning, losing like eight out of their last nine? Both eight and nine seeds? Please tell me, because I can't see why they're in and my team's not. And look, I'm a homer. I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for my team to get in. But please explain to me the fascination with the Big 12 this year. Well, I, I, I wonder in regards to the fascination of the Big 12, and we talked about last week, is how weak everybody else is. The Pac-10 is brutally bad. The Big 10 is having a down year. The American Conference is, you know, with Cincy and Houston and Wichita State are pretty good, top-heavy. But, I mean, I have more of an issue with the SEC than I do with the Big 12. I mean, you've got a lot of mediocre here in the SEC. You know, Auburn and Tennessee have had wonderful years. Florida has been a disappointment. Kentucky has been a disappointment. And then you have this, like, massive Arkansas, Missouri, Mississippi State, and A&M who are all kind of, well, to be honest, eh, they're all the eight, nine seeds. When I look at the Big 12, now, again, the Big 12 got overrated early because, number one, Oklahoma got off to such a blazing start and completely fell apart. But they do have the most marketable player in the country in Trey Young, which I'm not saying is a, re- is a justification to take them, but I'm saying puts, keeps them in the ballpark. Um, you know, the Big Ten is the Big Twelve is very much not top heavy. It's a it's just everyone is decent. And in a in a year where, as they said, the Big Ten is down, the the ACC I think is down. But again, the ACC being down is a relative term, and the Pac Ten being brutally bad. Well, there's a lot of we talked about. It. It's a weak bubble. It just is, and you know, to me. You know, I, I look, I, would I probably take a BYU over, assuming they don't beat Gonzaga tonight, over someone in the Big Ten, over the number eight team in the Big Ten or the SEC? Probably. Um, I just think it's a weak, except, except in the Big East, which I think is pretty stacked. I think when you look at the other big conferences, they're all, you know, they're all down, and they have, the wins have to, the teams have to come from somewhere, and this year it's the Big 12. Okay, I, I look. I can accept that. I, I can accept mediocrity because you and I have both exclaimed. We we both didn't. Nobody thought Virginia would be number one at this point, including myself and yourself. We didn't even have them as the number one team in the ACC. We we both had Duke at the beginning of the year, and and here they are, the number one team in the country. So the and and not only the number one team in the country, but to me the only number one team in the country. There's nobody that's even with them right now. They're, they're at a level above everybody else. So I don't – wait, 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 not, wait, wait, wait. I do. I don't buy I that. I think that – I do. Right now, right now, I believe that they are a level above everybody else playing right now. I do. Even though they just lost, I still give them that. They, I still they give them all They lost – they didn't just lose. Oh, no, they, they beat Louisville. Sense. Sorry. Right. Yeah, Sorry, but, they beat Louisville. 
My my point is, hold on. My point, I, I'll, I, I promise, I'll shut up in a second. My point is that in the course of the entire season, they have played a better game than anybody else in the NCAA. That's why they're number one. I don't even think that there's a question that they are the best team in the NCAA right now. I think, I don't know if I agree with you. They are the number one team in the country, and I agree. There's been no dispute. But do I, do, am I going to take them to win the national championship? I doubt it. That's not what I uh, said. And, and I was, and was going to get to that in a second. That doesn't mean that that record will then proliferate. Yes, I used a big word tonight proliferate upon the NCAA tournament. I don't view them as a good NCAA tournament team at all. In fact, I see them as a horrible NCAA tournament team. So, and, and their record speaks for themselves over the course of the last five to ten years. That, the, the style that they play is not a good style for, the NCAA, for playing back-to-backs, for playing twice in a weekend, for playing – over and over and over again where people can watch them over and over and over again against good teams, really good teams. But for their body of work, I don't think there's any dispute that they are at a much higher level body of work from October to today than anybody else. They have had the best season of anybody in college basketball. If that is the point you are trying to make, I concede it wholeheartedly. It is. As as, as good as Villanova has been, they have been the most consistent they have been the most surprising, to be perfectly honest, because, as we said, you know, this is a team that lost their best player in London, Parentes. This was not a team that was anticipated to be really anything particularly special. And Correct. 28-2 and 17-1 and in conference in the ACC is extraordinarily impressive. And, and the personification of a team game. They play more of a team game than anybody else. Them and then Nova are the two teams that would be that team game spirit. They don't have – they have – look, they have good players. They have uh, – I mean, Nova's got great players. But, but in, Virginia's got good players. It's the team game. It's the defense. It's the pressure. It's – look, I sound like Dick Vitale. It's horrible. But it's awesome that's basically the play. What's the yeah. – well, I'm sick with a capital S, but the fact is they play the best team game out there. Unfortunately for me and the way I have always seen the NCAA come out, except for Villanova, the cream of the crop being talent rises to the top in the, in the NCAA tournament. Now, I don't say – I put Villanova as an exception because two years ago when they beat – North Carolina, I didn't see a stud. I saw a perfect team game played against North Carolina. Did I think the team you also forgot in regards to a team game, a team that nobody anticipated being on the precipice of a number one seed is Xavier, who's true. Twenty, I mean, true. Twenty-eight and three, twenty-seven and four. Pretty much the only team they can't beat is Villanova. Well, you know what? Most people can't beat Villanova, so there's really nothing to be ashamed of along those lines. Um, you know, a team that you know, I think was it, I forget if Holtzman was it, was, was it was I'm losing track on who their coach is, whether it's Chris Holtzman or not, where he, where he went, where he jumped to Ohio State. But 
or where he or he, I, I'm just losing track, but really a, a team that Holtzman's in Ohio State. Holtzman's right. in Holtzman's in Ohio State. Right, and I'm trying to remember who the coach is at, at Xavier right now. I will find that out for you. But anyway, go on. I mean, you know, a solid, you know, top 15 starting to schedule, 27-4, and 15-3 and three in a really good Big East conference, and the one team they couldn't beat was they couldn't beat Villanova. You know what? Most teams can't beat Villanova. So I, I don't think that's going to – you know, that was unexpected. Well, it was a weird year. The teams you – the teams you anticipated being great, you know, we're good. We're very good. But Duke was not great. North Carolina was not great. Michigan State was very good but not great. It was a it was a weak year overall. And I think that's why there's so, so much What? Yeah, so so much what? I'm sorry. And I said I think that's why there's a lot of Confusion, for lack of a better term, on on how this how this tournament is going to play out. So, all right, I'm just looking at Xavier's schedule. To be fair, and look, I know, I know you just put them in a group with with some of the best teams out there. They have played only two ranked teams the entire year. They've played Villanova, and they played Cincinnati, and that's it. So they're out of conference schedule, certainly not what Virginia's was, and they're in conference no. schedule, certainly certainly not what Virginia's was either. So or or for that matter, Villanova's. So well, wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. Their strength of schedule is number fourteen in the country. So I don't know. May, I don't know how. I do. I, I'm trying to figure out how it's Nova and Nova. All these teams, first of all, Seton Hall was ranked throughout the year. Creighton was ranked. Butler was ranked. Cincinnati's top ten. You know, yep. I don't know where you know they beat Baylor, which is a nice win for out of, out of conference. Um, they have no bad. The one bad loss is Arizona State, who's a borderline, you know, tournament team. But at that point, they were number five in the country. So you know, the Big East really had a phenomenal year. Their RPI is three. Whether you agree with RPI or not is a different issue. But they're not they're not conference strength of schedule. Agreed, not that particularly strong. But their conference is stacked this year. Everybody was good in the Big East, except for DePaul, because DePaul hasn't been good since Terry Cummings. I was going to say Mark Aguirre. I think I think a, a Cummings was after Aguirre. No, 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 I mean, no, 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 definitely not. No, no, no. I think we're going to have to go back to the videotape on that. But I will look I, that up. I don't up. think so. Look, look that up. Look By up. the way, the coach of the coach of Xavier is Chris Mack. That's right. My fault. Yeah, no problem. Holtzman went over after one. I believe it's only one year. Uh, went to uh, Ohio State. But yeah, I mean, look, it, it's an interesting NCAA tournament just for that reason. But as I said to you before, I don't. I don't view Virginia as the top. They're going to get the top number one seed, provided they even they make it to the semifinals of the ACC tournament. If they lose in the first round, I think they might not get the top the top number one seed. They'll still be a number one. But but as far as if they make it to the semifinals, they're probably number one on the line, number one region in the East. Are they the 
number one, are they my number one going into the tournament? Yes. Are they my pick to win the tournament based on a number one seed? No. No, that team is, look, that team is built to win in the regular season. They're not built to win in the postseason. And we've seen many teams like that throughout both the NCAA and the NBA where regular season is one thing. When you get into two games in two days, it's something entirely different. Uh, Sorry, two games in three days. It's something entirely different. But, again, we will be able to predict and have our predictions next week on the show uh, as the tournament bracket does come out on Sunday, Selection Sunday. On TBS. We on CBS, thank you. I wasn't going to promote CBS, but yes, CBS. Uh, no, it's on CBS. On TBS for the first time uh, ever. On TBS. TBS. And I'd like to say, you know, last year we had the bracket announced beforehand, right? I mean, it was two late. years ago. Two years that ago. Was two years ago? Oh, two years ago. Because last year I was, you're right, because last year I was in New Zealand. Two years ago. I was jumping off a whole lot of crap one year ago today. And Miami beat Syracuse one year ago today. Anyway, um, yeah, two years ago when I was we were sitting on my couch and Syracuse made it, and we found out because of the leak. I don't know. Do you, I don't like watching it on TV. I really don't. But I certainly don't like it leaked before that. I, I think I don't know how I'd like it any better or any worse. But the leaking to me was was kind of anticlimactic. And I really Agreed. didn't like it at all. Yeah, wasn't, wasn't a big fan. Look, kudos to Eric. The guy's name was Eric Rosenthal, who actually got the bracket and posted it online. Kudos to him. I have no idea where he got it from or how he got it. But kudos to him for the research and for being able to get it. But at the same time, extremely anticlimactic. And you got to know C- CBS at the time didn't really enjoy the fact that that was leaked online. No, CBS has so, had a rough couple of years. In regards to the, uh, in regards to the, um, to the, uh, to the, to the draft, to the, uh, the preview show. Number one, that horrible year where they took, where Barkley took an hour to go through the league, and then the, the leaking. Um, so this year with TBS, it'll be interesting. It's the first time I think in 25, 30 years it hasn't been on CBS. And you were correct. Uh, Mark Aguirre came out in 1981. Terry Cummings came out in 1982. No, you were correct. I said Aguirre. You said Cummings. Cummings came out later. Yes, Cummings came out later. Oh, is that what the so you were right? I was right. Okay. <laughs> See, I'm I sorry. I had my hand up. I had my hand up. Like, uh, what's the movie? Uh, oh, come on. Movie end of movie. Guy goes across the field. Hand up. Why? Am, it's not seeing Elmo's fire. What? What am I thinking of Breakfast here? Club. Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club. So I had my hand, I had my fist in the air like Breakfast Club, and then you told me you won. No, I'm kind of like, all right. That was almost as anticlimactic as as the selection show two years ago. Okay. <laughs> Talking about the NCAA, we also have new news coming out of the NBA, and as it pertains to uh, first one and dones and how it's going to proceed in the future, and. One of the interesting things that has led to this is the fact that not only have athletes, but also coaches and politicians 
and other leagues around the world have courted younger players and tried to find a way for those younger players that don't necessarily want to go into the NBA, do not want to go into college, but yet want to play basketball. For instance, the Australian Basketball League has now designated one slot, which I find very interesting, and, and I'm interested in hearing your take on this. I know we, we broached it a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago. The Australian Basketball League, who generally has 12 players on their team, has always shied away from adding a college-bound guy, a guy that didn't go to college, because that would take up one valuable slot on their team. Money, money notwithstanding, a slot is a slot on a basketball team, and you don't want it to go into a 17-year-old or 18-year-old that can't help the team when you're in a professional league. But they have decided that starting next year, they are going to allow one extra slot so it can only be used by a player from the United States or a player from Australia that is not eligible for the NBA draft. That player will be paid roughly $80,000 U.S. a year. And it is in an effort to court guys like Jeremy Tyler, guys like uh, uh, Long. Yeah, Jer- D- Terrence Ferguson. Well, Right, these guys that are not necessarily ready for the NBA but don't want to have a $20,000 job in the G League, the Gatorade League, which is formerly known as the D League. And so they are offering the slot in an effort to get these people. Now, what I think in, in response to this, Adam Silver and Barack Obama, former President Barack Obama and LeBron James have said, we need more from the NBA. We need more. We need this one and done gone. We need a way to put high school eligible slash college eligible players in a league and in a system. And we are going to start nurturing them from the very beginning while they're within high school. I'm not sure I really like the concept of, of the NBA nurturing kids in high school in the early forms of high school. And then the one and done, I know nobody likes, but I'm open to a solution, but I don't know what that is. So what are your thoughts on this now that I've given Um, you a whole precursor? Yeah, I think to start, the thing that that concerns me about about Australia is I have no problem, as we said, I despise the one and done. So I have no problem with them going overseas. But the question is, is there going to be a solicit? Are they going to be openly soliciting? So not only are you going to have colleges recruiting, are you going to have pro teams recruiting as well, which is going to make things even more bat-beef crazy. Um, you know, my feeling is if you go to college, you should stay for two, that you should play for a minimum of two years. I've always felt this way. So I have no problem if someone wants to go make a living overseas or in the G League or whatever. They have, I have no problem with that. I don't. Um, I'm more worried about, though, is this going to really clean up the game or is it just going to be a different kind of dirty, for lack of a better term? Um, do you, I mean, the G League really should be, in a lot of ways, 
a, you know, an, almost an academy for, you know, I, I know they're talking about doing it separately, but the G League is a minor league for the NBA. So I'm not sure if you, if you need a separate academy. And I don't know if I love the idea of teams having their own minor league teams like baseball. Um, you know, maybe it's just what I'm accustomed. Sorry. Why Wait. don't you like that? Why don't you like the minor league system? In fact, I think I love the minor league system, and the reasoning is: so the NFL and NBA have consistently used college as a minor league system. True. That yes. that's their minor league system. Okay. Well, some some players are just not. Would you rather have a guy go one and done, because that's basically what it is, and never go to class, abuse the system, have lots and lots of recruiting violations, or go to a G League and play minor league ball? And I know what you're going to say here. You're going to say, in my opinion, you're going to say this will be detrimental to the college game. College basketball will go downhill. And I don't disagree with you at all because they will become college baseball. That's what it will become. It will become college what? It will become college baseball. Yeah. That's uh, exactly what it will system. become. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree that you can use the G League as a minor league team. The question that I have is are there really enough quality players? You know, you know if you, what if you go to the G League and after a year you realize you're not good enough and need college? Like, there's, what if, you know, how many teams? I don't think you need 32 minor league college basketball, minor league basketball teams. You know, is each team going to get one? You know, I don't know. I'm... Well, right, I haven't really well, right now, Seth, each team has bought, I think there's 28 out of the thir- – I think there's 28 NBA G League teams right now. Is there 20. that many? Okay. Yeah, and I believe, I believe that there are 30 NBA franchises. So I think that they're very close to having one per team. So okay. That, that, but are you going to have that, that league, gonna have a second tier? Are you going to have, the, like, the, the, the H League? You know, I mean, how, well, I don't know. how deep how deep are you going to run this? I mean, well, to me, I think part, part of it is also to to caution your second point. Let me ask you this: If a college player, college eligible player, went to the G League right away, and they guaranteed a college education thereafter, would that assuage your fears about the G League and a guy washing out of the G League? No. I mean, to me, look, if you're going to go put – again, I'm just trying to hypothesize. I don't really have a feeling. I have not – based on busy season, I have not had a real you know, time to go through all, all this and really put it, give it a great deal of thought. But I'm just trying to hypothesize. I mean, it's – I don't have a problem with it fundamentally. But actually, yeah, I do. If they're going to – well, if they're going to <laughs> – no, I do. If, if if they're going straight to the G League, um, hold on. 
if I, if I going to the G League, why should you know? And just so if you have, if you stay in the G League for two years, they guarantee it, or if you do this, or if you do that, like I don't know how this works. Okay, guarantee what? What are you asking to guarantee? They're going to guarantee a college education. Are they going to guarantee Harvard? Or are they going to guarantee you know San Jacinto Community College? Well, let, let's say, let, look, we're all hypothesizing here, right? And I don't even know if this is part of it. My question is, if they guaranteed, say, the state university, whatever that is, so they guarantee 30, look, Syracuse is almost $70,000 a year. So let's say that they don't guarantee the highest, but they guarantee $40,000 a year. So, so $160,000 is guaranteed. I get to your point of, they can't have A, B, and C, right? So, or G, H, and I, or whatever three letters we want to talk about. What if the NBA expanded their draft? What if they had a major league draft and a minor league draft? How would that suit? Because then you wouldn't have this problem, right? And just like you would – look, we're all hypothesizing here. We're not, I, don't, I don't even know if this is on the table. But what if they had that type of thing? So players would declare for, for the draft the same way they would in the NBA. And if you didn't get drafted in the NBA draft, then you had a minor league draft, which you would then be assigned to the relative minor league city. In New York, it's the Erie Skyhawks for the, for the New York Knicks. And that team would hold your rights, as would the NBA team, the same way that they do in, in, in Major League Baseball. So, you know, if you don't get drafted in the first three rounds of that or two rounds, if it's only a two-round draft, you kind of don't have it, one would have to think. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. You've gone through two NBA draft, draft rounds. You've gone through two minor league draft rounds. Look, there's always going to be a John Starks out there, right? There's always going to be one. But at the same time, if you don't get drafted in, in four rounds, it's kind of like in, when the NFL had like 12 rounds or 14 rounds, right? If you didn't get drafted in 14 rounds, yeah, there was always going to be that one player that, that existed that may have been able to play well. Uh, I guess his name was Johnny Unitas. But the fact is, the majority of the players, if you don't get drafted in the first 14 rounds of an NFL draft, are probably not going to be NFL players. I have to say, Seth, you and I can declare for the NFL draft tomorrow. We've ran out of eligibility. We're good to go. But if we get, I get drafted in the NFL Orlando, draft. I may be faster than Orlando Brown. <laughs> Orlando Brown the second. Yeah, Zeus's son who runs more like, uh, well, not Zeus, let's put it that way. The fifth, the fifth slowest uh, 40 time in the, history of the, uh, in the history of the combine. And to be fair... Okay, so we're moving on to the NFL, which is not a bad segue. Well done. To be fair, we can say that both pluses for the NFL draft, we've seen the Mike Mamoulos who flame out in the NFL draft, but we've also seen the Jerry Rices who don't exactly run very well in the NFL draft and become the best wide receiver in NFL history. True? It goes both ways. The NFL NFL combine is is the underpants Olympics. It's not the all-knowing going on in the NFL. By the way, if you'd like to call in on any of these subjects, 760-283-0846, 760-283-0846, 
760-283-0846. This has been a lively discussion. We're going to get to uh, the franchise tags in a little bit, but a little bit of rumblings. You're right about Orlando Brown, but, man, I can't remember the South Florida guy's name. Shaquille oh, wow. Griffin. Wow, he look. This is, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't heard about Shaquille Griffin, he he's got a twin brother, twin brother, I believe, who is twin brother, in, who is twin brother, who plays the Seattle Seahawks. Shaquille Shaquille Green. Sorry, I, I missed his last name. I think it's Griffin. I forget if it's Griffin or Green. I Griffin. think it's Griffin. You're right. You're right, Griffin. Shaquille Griffin was born with a birth defect where he lost three or four, three fingers on his hand. So he, he doesn't have three fingers on his left hand. So during the NFL combine, he actually wore, so the whole year, for, first of all, the whole year for South Florida, the last two, the last four years, he's a four-year starter. Last year, not this year, past year, he was the, uh, he was the AAC player of the year, defensive player of the year. For South Florida, and this year he he was the whatever bowl game they were in, and I can't remember what bowl game they were in, but he won the yeah, MVP think, of that bowl. What's that? I think I think they they were in the Peach Bowl where they beat Auburn. I could be wrong. But I think that's what they it were. You are correct. So in the Peach Bowl, he was the MVP of the Peach Bowl, and then he goes and he lists, I believe it was thirty four times on the bench press with a prosthetic no, hand. Twenty. 20, 20 times? 20. Let me tell you, ladies and times. gentlemen. Okay, 20. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the bench press on at the combine is 225 pounds. 225 pounds. I can lift that with two hands. I used to be able to lift that 12 times at my peak 12 times. Now, these guys are bigger. I get it. They're stronger. I get it. I have two hands. <laughs> no, it's I'm not Seth. I'm not laughing. I mean, I have two hands. I, I God give, gifted me two hands. God did not give Shaquille Griffin two hands. Put on a prosthetic, he lifted that bar twenty times. He also ran the fastest combine, the fastest time for a for a forty yard dash at the combine in the last ten years. For a linebacker. For a linebacker. And he actually equaled his brother's time from last year as a corner. This man doesn't just conquer the combine. It's, and let's understand, he wasn't originally invited. That's the best part. He was invited late because of his, because of his success at the Peach Bowl and because everybody requesting that him come. As my friend Jamie Say, who is an anchor down in South Florida, said, Shaquille Griffin didn't only conquer the combine. This man has conquered life. I mean, I was going to wait till the last five minutes about this guy, but wow. There, there, there is no other word to explain but wow to this guy. I mean, hats off to him. Whatever team gets him, he's not going to be a first-round pick. He probably won't even be a day-one pick, a day-two pick. But probably be fourth, fifth, or sixth, somewhere in there. But you're getting a really good player. Anyway, yeah. What else I mean, did we learn? What else did we? What else did we learn at the combine except Sam Darnold won't change his throwing motion? 
Well, we learned a couple things. We learned to to the surprise of well, not me. DJ Moore is really really good, um, <laughs> and because he's now going to probably be number two or number three wideout, and hopefully as a Maryland fan, hit the first round because he certainly deserves it or deserves consideration. Um, what else did we learn? Well, the quarterbacks. Josh Allen has a big arm. Whoop de do. Saquon Barkley is the is what they're saying had the best workout literally in the history of the combine. And Orlando Brown could have gone from a first round pick to like a fourth round pick. I mean, you know, again, it depends how much you really want to take into account. The combine, like you, to me, it's always a, it's a very very supplementary thing. These guys have their pro days. They've been training for this for months. And so it doesn't surprise me to see how some of the, how some of this played out. It more surprises me when people really take a when people like Brown take a step back. Um, it's look, it's really just it's discussion. It's it's you know it's nowhere land time in in football at least for the next week or so, and it kind of takes up that it takes that up it takes up the uh, you know that space at this point. Like we'll talk about the franchise. Tag. We'll talk about the potential trades that are going in, in free agent pickups that are going on, but it's, it really, I think it's an over, I think this is over sometimes I just kind of wonder like on a 24 to like on a, you have sports on 24 seven noted on like 24 seven rerun. This is kind of where it's reflected because the combine is really not that well big of a deal. It's not that it's not a big of a deal, but it's not the deal that it's been made out to be over the last couple of years. No, but do you think it would actually get ratings in primetime? Because they've talked about moving it yeah. to primetime. Yeah, it probably would because football fans at the end of the day will watch anything football. And if you if you know if you, if you hear all this, oh the NFL is declining, oh nobody's watching. Yeah, look at the contract that for Thursday night football, how much bigger it is for 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 Fox, number one. And yes, Papa John took it, you know, took away their sponsorship, and Pizza Hut took it two days later and pretty much doubled the advertising revenue. Believe me, football's not going anywhere. Not until Vince McMahon has his way. You just watch. Vince is coming back. I'll pass. You know, the thing is, though, I'm not sure many people will. I think that league is going to succeed. I really do. It may. I mean... I, I, as you just said, people will watch football. It doesn't matter what type of football. It doesn't matter when the football is on. Look, the ratings for 6 a.m. football or 9 a.m. football on a Sunday are, are ridiculous compared to the competition. I think 50 at, 49 out of the top 50, 50 slots in the ratings last year were NFL. 49 out of 50. That's ridiculous. But it happens. So I think you're going to get that. Okay, let's move on to the to who got tagged and who didn't get tagged. And I'm going to ask you, Seth, is this good for the team or good for the player or good for both? Okay, so let's go through these. Demarcus so Lawrence out of uh, – in Dallas. Dallas. What do you Dallas. think? Yep. Um, it's probably a good year. It's probably a good move for both sides. Um, Dallas probably needs more than one year. You know, he's he's had a lot of issues the first couple of years, but he was ridiculous last year. 
I think it's a one-year tag, meaning I don't think they would re refranchise him next year. So I think this kind of is a, you know, put up or this get, allows for a put up or shut up in a year where they can afford this. Because there have been so many. Okay. You know, so I would go, I would say, I, I would say to, that it works for both sides. No, I, just, I wanted to explain what the, what the rules are for the tag. So up until okay. today, up until today, NFL teams had the right to tag a free agent unless they had a specific clause in their contract that prevented it. And there were two two contracts that had that. One was Drew Brees, and the other one was Nate Soldier out of, out of New England. So, so a free agent could be tagged. Now, what does the tag mean? For a first-time tagger, it is the top five, I believe the average of the top five salaries at that position. So if you're being tagged on the defensive line, the defensive line as a whole is one position. The offensive line as a whole is one position, which is why you will not see a center or a guard tagged because they, inclu- they are included with the left tackles, which are ridiculous amounts of salary. Okay. If you are going to get tagged for a second time, which we did happen this year, you not only get – you get 120% of the amount of the first tag. So it's – so – in the case of Le'Veon Bell, that is a huge amount of money. And we'll get to that in a second. So that is what happens. In the third tag, it is 120% of the second tag. So that is, in Kirk Cousins' case, would have been almost $35 million, which is on 100 And let's understand the cap this year is approximately $170 million. So 35 out of 170 is about 20% of your cap to one player. Okay. So now that we've got those done, so, oh, one other thing. Just because you are tagged does not mean that you cannot sign a long-term deal. You and the team are permitted to negotiate a long-term deal up until and only up until July 15th. And after July 15th, the only option for the team and for the player is to sign the one-year tag. What does the one-year tag guarantee? If a player gets tagged, let's take Jarvis Landry or Demarcus Lawrence, who both signed their tags. So if a, if a player is tagged and the, the player says, you know what, I just want the tag. I'll just take the money. I'll just take the money and run. They sign their tag for Jarvis Landry is approximately $15.8 million for Demarcus Russell. Demarcus Russell, no. Demarcus Lawrence, excuse me, it was approximately $17 million. What happens is that number is immediately applied to the cap. So $17 million immediately applied to the cap. You need to have room under the cap for that money, which with the cap going up, $10 million is very easy to have for these teams today. It may not be easy for them to have next week when free agency opens up. So can a player with a tag be traded? Yes. Can a player with the tag be rescinded? Can the tag be rescinded? If a player does not sign the tag, that, that contract, a player is not responsible for coming to OTAs. A player is not responsible for coming to training camp. A player is not even responsible for coming to the first 10 games. And if a player signs, a con- a, signs their tag, 
with six games left to go, it counts as a season for that player. What can the what can the team do? A team can rescind the tag any time before that tag is signed. For instance, two years ago, Josh Norman had a tag from the Carolina Panthers. And in July, David Gettleman, who is now the GM of your New York football giants, said, you know what, enough is enough. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm going to rescind the tag. So what happened? Josh Norman immediately becomes a free agent. Okay, why is that good? Why is it bad? It's good for Josh Norman because he can shop his services around. Why is it bad? If it's done in July, not too many teams have money for Josh Norman to fit under that cap. Okay, so I think I gave you uh, franchise tags 101. Wait, there's one other transition tags. Transition tag, oh, by the way, franchise tag, once it's a franchise tag means if another team wants to sign you, there are two franchise tags, exclusive and non-exclusive. No team signed, no team offered an exclusive tag this year. None. So if it's a non-exclusive tag, if the Jets were to go out and sign Le'Veon Bell, who got a non-exclusive tag, Ferg refused to match, they would be entitled to two first-round draft picks. So that is kind of important. A transition tag, which the which the Bears gave to Kyle Fuller this year, is a little bit less on the money, thirteen million dollars. I think it's thirteen to fourteen million dollars instead of the sixteen to seventeen. They save themselves about three to four. And the point is, they are given the option, the first right of refusal. However, if they lose him, they are not given any compensation whatsoever. Okay. I think I got it all. That's about 10 minutes of my life I stopped listening at the first word. Okay. You know what, though? But you knew the answer. You knew what was going on. Fair enough. Some people do not. Okay. Okay. So let's let's go through the players, and you tell me good for the player, good good for the team, and will they negotiate past this year? Will there be either a second tag or will there be a long term contract? So let's go to Kyle Fuller. So his transition tag, $12.971 million. So it didn't get the franchise, which means any team can sign him, and the Bears have right of first refusal. Is he going to be a Bear next year? And was it good for Fuller or good for the Bears? Or neither, or both? Um, Chicago's, I think, pretty heavily under the cap. I could be wrong, but I think they are. It's more than I would have ever paid for him. Remember, he wasn't Fuller a throw-in? Um, no, or I that's think Kendall Fuller. That's his brother. That's his brother. That's his brother. Um, I probably would. I'm happy for Fuller, but I probably wouldn't have done it if I was Chicago. I don't know, $13 million for a corner. So, oh, for a corner who's above average, but not a you know not an all, not a high 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 tier. I don't know if I would have done it. Okay, so Fuller. Let's recall why Fuller got it. Fuller was injured not last year, but the year before. The team had the option of exercising his fifth round, his fifth year option under the first round tender, and that would have made that, that would have meant that he would have played for about nine million dollars. They declined that because they thought that he, the Bears thought that he would be injured 
and would not be able to play this year and did not want to pay $9 million. Well, Fuller had a very good year last year in the, in the Windy City. So basically they paid him what is close to an extra $3 million for basically saying, I messed up for one more year. I think this, he will stay a bear. I think he will sign the tender. And I don't think there will be another contract this year. I think that he goes free agent next year. Yeah. Okay. I, I agree. Jarvis Landry from Miami. And Jarvis Landry is an interesting mix because Miami doesn't want him at $16 million they ha- or $15 million. They have, they have told Jarvis Landry, go find yourself a trade. Where does Jarvis Landry wind up? I'm assuming Chicago, I think Chicago makes sense. I know Baltimore makes sense. Those are the two teams I know have spoken to him already. The, qu- the problem I have, with, I, if I'm Landry, I would have done it. Um, I, I, Miami, eh. again, the whole idea being that he's, he's going to be traded anyway. The problem is $16 million for a slot receiver that has no with, – with minimal yards after carry. I don't love it. Um, I, I, I don't know what his trade value is. You want to say, you know, a, a second-round pick, a third-round pick? I don't know. I, I wouldn't – he's a nice player, but as a, as a slot receiver, I have a lot of difficult swallowing – that 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 amount of money. I wouldn't. Well, I, I think probably the question wouldn't. Is, the question is, is what Jarvis can they get? In the right. What can they get in the trade? And is Jarvis Landry a slot receiver? He's a slot receiver today. That doesn't mean he's a slot receiver tomorrow. He did not play slot at LSU, if I recall. He played the outside. So right, but that was four years. Agreed. I'm saying, can he be something that he is not? And I know this has been tried many times before, and some success, some failure. Not saying it's one or the other. I believe Braden Cooks was a slot receiver in New, in New Orleans. And look what he's done in New England. Not to say, again, not to say one or the other. Now, the fact is, if I'm a team that's looking to trade for Jarvis Landry, I'm not giving up very much. Second-round pick, no chance. Because well, remember, I got to give a second. Well, that's the thing, Seth. If if I'm giving up a second round pick, I don't want to pay a guy seventeen million dollars and give up a second round pick. Well, the that's problem not I where have my head is. I agree. Fundamentally, he's not a. I'm, he's not proven to be a top receiver. He's a good receiver. Yes. He has not proven to be a top five or ten receiver in the league yet, and to pay seventeen million dollars for someone and the draft pick, whatever it may be. For somebody who's not a top top tier receiver, who we don't know if can play anything other than the slot, we don't know. Agreed. It's, it's I. I mean, I understand Miami. Now, to be fair, Miami's had quarterback issues and offensive issues, but I, I don't buy it. Okay, so let's move on. So, so Lamarcus Joyner in Los Angeles, the Rams. Well, the problem is this. They had three choices, or they could do none. You can't do Tremaine Tremaine Johnson because 
he'd be like 30 million at this point, 25 million. You're not going to pay Sammy Watkins because Sammy Watkins simply hasn't proven simply hasn't proven to be that worthy of that worthy of that. And they may re-sign him anyway. Um, what I have offered at the joiner, I don't know their salary. I'll be honest, I'm not that familiar with, with where they are in salary. I know they have to pay an enormous amount to Aaron Donald soon. Um, I know Gurley and Cobb are, are on first year or on rookie contracts. I don't, I don't think I would have. But, again, I think they're in relatively good shape. So if this is someone you need to keep for a year to see, to see I don't know what they're paying him on the uh, on it. So I, 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 don't, I don't think it's I, – I would probably have held off. Again, I seem to be more cautious than most on this. But I don't think I would have gone there. So I've always thought, look, if you're an NFL team, you're going to pay up to the cap, right? That's generally the yep. way that things work. You're you're able to roll over cap, and the Jets and the uh, the Jets and the Bears and the Browns have done that this year, which is why they're all at close to a hundred million dollars in cap room. You're able to roll it over, but most teams that are at the uh, top use most of their cap. The good thing about the the good thing about the franchise tag is it is a one year deal, and Agreed. if you're going to use your cap money and it's a one-year deal, and you're going for it, I'm at the opposite spectrum of you. I think that they should use it. If, if they see a guy that they don't want to lose for one year, and they think that they have a chance of winning a title, which I think the Rams probably do, they're not looking next year. They're looking this year. They're looking, let's finish it off. And then if we lose this guy next year, we lose him next year, and we deal with it then. I'm t- if you're the Dolphins and you have $16 million and you don't see yourself as a championship team, which I certainly don't, then you have a difference of opinion. Okay, one more team. Uh, well, we have uh, Ezekiel Ansah from Detroit. I think Detroit just keeps them keeps any good player they could have, especially on defense. Yeah. Uh, question. Yeah, I mean, that's really what they did. Well, I, I mean – I'm not a big Unsa guy. He's had, I think he's had one really good year. And, but as you said, Detroit has, I think, a lot of room other than at the quarterback position. And they need to keep someone because – and, look, Matt Patricia is a defensive guy, their new head coach, and if he thought that he was worthy of it, I'm not – you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have done it, but that's where I assume they're going with it. So, who am I to say? We got one more guy. We got one more guy in five more minutes. So just give me a yes or a no with Le'Veon Bell. Oh, yeah. You have to. For the same reason that the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show continues to protect this guy as his contract <laughs> skyrocket. But up, him and Antonio Brown, there is no reason. But I still, but this will be the last year, in my opinion, of Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh. I do not think that they get a contract done with him. I think he holds out the entire off season. I think he comes in much the same way as he did last year, worrying us tremendously in training camp. And this is it. This is the last time. I, I think he's fed up, and I think he leaves. And uh, we will be drafting his replacement as well this year, as hopefully he goes to uh, the Browns, and then we get, like, James Conner or something like that. Okay. 
final five minutes, would you like to uh, have your epilogue to the Maryland season or something else? Um, I think I'll talk about something else. Maryland's epilogue <laughs> is glad I got to go to a game for like the 20th straight game they've lost by five or less. There's awesome. not much to say. Maybe we'll be playing Syracuse in the MSG and the NIT in about a month. Um, quick point out, in, in, in the heavyweight boxing world, for the first time in a while, it's interesting again. Deontay uh, Wilder, the undefeated American, getting his butt kicked uh, by the Cuban Lewis Ortiz in one of the best heavyweight fights since uh, Klitschko Lewis in 20, 2004 and comes back and wins by, wins by knockout. Really, pretty much by obliteration in the tenth round. You have two more undefeated fighters, Anthony Joseph and Joshua, excuse me, and Joseph Parker fighting in a couple weeks. And then you're going to have a fight. You're going to have probably the winner of of that fight, Wilder, and you're going to have a definitive heavyweight champion for the first time in a long time. And for people who are not boxing fans, to watch the last five rounds of the fight on Saturday night, well worth it. And really, why heavyweight champ- fight heavyweight boxing at one point was really one of the, the creme de la creme of the sports world many, many years ago. Well, considering the fact that I've never heard of any of those guys, tells you how, yeah, I know how low. But no, no, I'm, I'm just about to say how low, while it was the creme de la creme, is how low it is today. I did recognize Klitschko Lewis, but that's like Good. 10, 15 years ago. I mean, we're, we're talking, right? That's how we yeah, it, it which tells you something there too. And Triple G, somebody gets an, uh, busted with more. I don't know more more tainted steroids meat. in their system. Taint, the Mexican it, it, tainted meat syndrome. That's what it's called. The Mexican, the Mexican something or another. <laughs> they have tainted meat. Happens all the time with Mexican fighters. Does it? Yeah. Okay. Well. So next week we'll be having our NCAA preview. We'll go down the brackets. We'll make our selections. We'll both be so wrong it won't even be funny. And then we'll pick our NIT. No, we won't. We won't pick the NIT. That's just not going to happen. I mean, who are we kidding? Who are we kidding? We, go can be, we, we can't even. Yeah, we just won't do it. But then, but the week following that, which uh, will be our St. Paddy's Day show. Woohoo! No, St. Paddy's Day is on Saturday. But that following Tuesday, we will have our baseball preview as spring training is fully in gear and nobody cares, including myself right now. I I just don't care. I just don't want more injuries on the Mets sidelines. No matter what, we can't afford that. But we will have our baseball baseball preview in two weeks following our NCAA preview next week. So if you'd like to call in anytime, 760-283-0846-760. 760-2830-0846. Thanks so much for joining here. Seth and Sean, Sicky and Seth here on Blog Talk Radio. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week. Have a good one.